E-commerce isn't just an aspect of growing a successful wine business, it is crucial. And that's why I strongly recommend working with Offset Partners. As a proudly independent e-commerce technology and brand design company based in wine country, Offset understands the operational nuances and the customer service imperatives that distinguish a great online buying experience from a mediocre one. And that's why leading and legendary brands like Saxum, Arnott Roberts, and Kermit Lynch Wine Merchant choose Offset's proprietary commerce technology platform to power their DTC sales. If you're an allocated winery or a high-touch merchant that values an elegant, effective commerce solution for both you, your customers, and your team, reach out to the smart team at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T, partners with an S, dot com, to craft a better direct-to-consumer experience. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Patrick Capiello on the show. Patrick is the wine director at Gilt Restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. Hello, sir. How are you? Levy, how are you? Nice to see you. It's great to be here. What are you up to these days at uh, the old Gilt restaurant? Uh, almost four years now, so... Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, awards and wine have flowed under the bridge in the meantime, however. Yeah, it's been, we, you know, I, I, I think uh, I had some particular goals that I wanted to try and reach, and I think I reached most of them. So, yeah, it was, it's, you know, it was, uh, it was an intense few years, but a, but a, but a fruitful uh, four years, I would say. Yeah. What are the yeah. things that you're you're most pr- proud of so far? Um, you know, I mean, it's I guess I guess the grand award. I, I think it's pretty clear. I've made I've made that pretty clear with <laughs> a tattoo, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we got to talk about that right away. Yeah, yeah. I did that. I, 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 uh, and I was sober when I did it. That's the best part. But yeah, yeah. So the grand award was 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 obviously an initial goal. I mean, you know, it's so the wine spectator, wine spectator, yeah, wine spectator's grand award. I think uh, you know, in our generation, and I think you and I are are kind of in the same yeah, the same so. generation. I yeah. think our paths were a little different, but we're that we're that kind of next generation of sommeliers post. Well, actually, probably third, I guess, after like you know Daniel and and. Larry and then and uh, and David Gordon and you know yeah I think it was and, a third wave yeah, yeah I think it was kind of a smaller wave too or at least a lot of those people have left you yeah know what I mean yeah no agreed I mean yeah I mean while well, you I think I think you know Eric Zillier is still still doing right. great things and then and then Josh Nadell I think all those guys that were at Crew and then all the guys that came up through through Veritas it was kind of those that right. that, that the guys that worked under Robert and Tim I think they're they were the they were that third generation and then you and, at least and in New York yeah 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 but there I mean so many other streams didn't continue. Like it's for true. instance, I wasn't in either of those, and I don't see a lot of other dudes. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, like, like, like Risto. I mean, who I think who I have the most respect for. I think he, you know, he's he's a great example of somebody who's stuck in there. And and Justin yeah. Lorenz too. I mean, he's he's. Oh, a, he's I don't know who seri- that person is. Justin Lorenz is the wine director at Oriel. So, oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. Anyway, you know, he's 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 like he's like uh, same way, like on the floor, like you know, working and you know. But I feel like in, at some level, it was kind of divide. Uh, divined by availability because we i remember reading about john luc ledoux and tim po- tim Kopeck and that inspiring me to continue further into the business yeah but th- it's not like those people didn't have a job they had a job yeah and there's only so many venues yeah yeah yeah. and so you could work with one of those guys right or you could create your own thing but there's not you know 
even then there weren't so many venues. I'd say there's less now that have encyclopedic, what you'd refer to as like globe spanning lists. Yeah. And, uh, but at the time there weren't that many either. So I don't know. It was kind of a half generation. I, I see it that way. Maybe I'm wrong. You've no, come I up think, with some really I, good examples, I right. but I know, I think you're right. I think, I mean, you know, I, 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 for me, it was weird because I, I really lived in the shadows of these guys for probably longer than most anybody did, except for maybe Yoshi, who, who Yoshi Takamura, who, who was somebody with me at, at Tribeca Grill for all those. I mean, I, I started at Tribeca Grill in 2001 and uh, um, as a waiter, basically, and then, you know, had an interest in wine and David and, and Yoshi allowed me to work so, with them. But let me ask you, you're in Tribeca in 2001. I mean, mm-hmm. what was that like with 9-11? It was rough. I mean, you know, I, st- I started in, in, in August. So, you know, six weeks after, after my, 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 my first day, like, you know, September 11th happened. And, and I really moved. didn't know it was that short of a... Yeah. Yeah, it was, I just moved to New York. I mean, I, I moved to New York. Yeah, that, that, I'd gotten the job at Tribeca Grill, actually, the week that I moved to New York. And that was August 1st. And then, and then uh, yeah. I mean, it was... We were closed for a month. And I remember Drew, Journey Print was like after we finally got reopened, he was like shuttling people down from Canal Street because you actually couldn't go below, below Canal Street unless you were unless you were a resident. So Drew had his, his driver like literally going up to Canal Street and picking people up who wanted to come to the restaurant and driving them down just to try and customers. keep... Customers. Customers. Just to try just to try and keep us, wow. you know, because we had... That's we had, definitely Drew though. The way that he found the way out. They yeah. They didn't just raise the white flag of surrender. Yeah. yeah. No, no, never. He would, no, Drew is... Yeah, he, 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 he doesn't quit. That's for sure. No, he's... I mean, it's great, you know, if... Thank, thank God that, that he was that determined to keep the place afloat. And, you know, I mean, he had a lot of restaurants down there at the time. Morishay was still down there then and, and, and Nobu and, and uh, um, Layla was there too, which, which was sure. one of the ones that didn't make it through. But, you know, he, 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 he made it happen. So, yeah. But so it was being there, you know, for, for, for I was there for four years, four years working under David. And, you know, helping David Gordon. David Gordon, yeah. And and with Yoshi Takamura, we, we worked three of us for four years and like side by side on the floor. Like, you know, it was great. To, it was an experience to work under him. I mean, you know, while I was there, he built, he, he did the wine that said Borgata in, uh, in, in, in Las Vegas or in Atlantic City. Atlantic. Sorry. Yeah. And we were, he had, he had all the distributors. The guy, he's a genius. Like, like he's this committed to, I think, making a great wine list. He, he had all the distributors uh, send samples to Tribeca Grill. We had hundreds of, of cases of samples from all the distributors because obviously everybody wanted oh, to be involved in this project sure. and he wanted to do it fair. And this was a huge part of the learning curve for me. Like I think becoming a good taster was based on this, this thing. Really? He wanted to taste. Thank you, Atlantic City. Oh my God, with, without a doubt. We tasted basically all those wines blind. I used to, I used to brown bag them. Like I, I, I had brown did that take? Sam, oh, God. <laughs> Week one, brown bag, 100 cases. It was, Week two, start to taste. It was crazy. And then t- and it, was, it was such an eye-opening thing because even at that point, and that was probably, I was probably there a year and a half, and you already had conceptions as a young sommelier. And, and you know, you probably usually wrong ones. Right, 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 right. And you... It's easy to have wrong ones. Uh, so handed easy. down knowledge of, a, a, you know, what you read or something. And yeah. then you think that's what's true for all of everything in that region or something. Yeah, no, 100% right. And you'd pull that bag off and you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't think that wine was going to suck that bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was a, a good learning experience. But, but David, you know, that, that, that was a huge part, I think, of me learning how to taste and taste blind. But not taste blind like, you know, the way that, you know, MS candidates taste blind, which, which you know, I mean, I'm not an MS, obviously, I'm not an MS candidate at this point. Wouldn't be, uh, you know, I, th- I asked Dan O'Johnis at one point, I said, did you ever think about going, be going for the MS? Yeah. And he said, he said, you know, I only have everything to lose. Yeah. <laughs> he said that exact thing to me as well. And it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant statement. Uh, now I understand it. Back yeah. then I, I didn't, but I saw, since, since I learned under those guys and 
didn't have a desire for the MS program. Not, but not, but it's great. I mean, obviously Larry Stone is, is runs with that crew he, and he's, I, I have huge respect for him. And Risto, who I mentioned. Who's ahead of it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. During a crucial kind yeah. of handover in time. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's, I mean, one of the smartest sommeliers you'll ever meet. So like after what I did, I did four years at Tribeca Grill and then 2005, I, I, I was amazingly lucky enough to get an opportunity to be a sommelier at Veritas. Sure. Under Tim Kopik in the heyday time. I mean, this was 2005. Right. This was the last big push before everything collapsed. And, and wines I tasted there, I can say for sure, in those four years, I tasted more great wine, more regal wine, more, more, more amazing wine than I will probably ever taste the rest of my career. And right. probably most sommeliers will ever have the opportunity to, to taste. I mean, and that's I right. feel so lucky to, I'm one of a few people who had that, who had that experience. I think what was going on there, what was going on at crew during that time was magical. And we were, we were lucky guys, lucky guys. I remember uh, Tim Kopeck came in with, with somebody and uh, to a restaurant I was working at. And they're like, uh, Tim, uh, should we get a bottle of Chateau Ikem, you know, for the table? Be nice. You're here. And he's like, uh, look, I, I don't want to be rude, but, uh, and I also don't want to sound terrible, but I drink so much Ikem at work. I, I would really, <laughs> I, I would really prefer to drink something else. I, I, it, I just drink it all the time. And, it, <laughs> it, you, know. you know, and it was a real true statement. I mean, it was indeed the case. But it, not meant it, to know. be like showing off or anything. It's, yeah. it's, it's the truth. It was that, yeah. it was that, it was. Those there were there were nights where where you would be like people would hand hand you glasses of like here's 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 Romani Conti sixty six right. here's the Tosh seventy one like it was it was one sick wine after another and in you know it it corrupts you I yes. think in some ways yeah I, you know I think the best the the best way I've ever been able to explain it to anybody it's like one time I went to I went to Napa and uh, just whatever reserved a car because yeah I mean I live in New York for uh, 11, 11 years twelve years now so I don't own a car. And I used to, and I, and I like to drive, but I drive very, very rarely. Usually, I, you know, I drive in the backseat of, of a cab. That's the normal uh, car experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go right, go That's left. It. Yeah, I do backseat drive that. But, uh, but so we, I was in Napa and uh, rented a car, had, had a car, and, and I got to the counter and I had an opportunity for an upgrade. And they were like, you know, we, we can give you a BMW 500 series for like 25 bucks more a day. I'm like, you know what? Why not? It's my it's my vacation. Let's <laughs> right, do it. Right. So I drove that car for four days, and I what did that car ruin me on cars? I remember I came back and I rented a zip car. I got like a like a Nissan Sentra, and I was like driving this thing. I'm like, what a piece of shit! Like, I mean, I mean <laughs> right. why isn't everything a BMW 500 series? But that that I think is the closest way you can explain to what it's like when you taste those great wines, right. and then when you when, when you don't, it's it's even wine that's that's great it, it, when it, when it's not at that level. It, I think it's hard to give the pasta grand the fair fair due. It's and it's terrible. Yeah. It, it, like you, that that restaurant definitely. The, the bad thing is, like like Tim said, you know, you can I I can't pour you can't on my Cheerios in the morning. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, let's drink something. Uh, but you know, one of the things that happened is that era kind of ended because prices got so high. Do you did. feel like that's a lost age in a way? Like, yeah, we taste all this <laughs> stuff, and even we can't get back in. I hope not, man. My I, I have a lot of that wine on my wine list. I'd like to. I mean, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. But I mean, but, yeah, you yeah. know, are you? I mean, uh, you know, don't answer the question if you want. But is it still like twenty bottles? of 66 it's not no i mean i have i've developed you know my my idea with gil was to recreate that wine those wine lists and, and you know in 2009 i, I left feritas to, to go to guilt and the economy was just, just, just like literally the Tank day after i took the job like thank god i took the job when i, I mean veritas had some rough times after that they, they've bounced back but i probably got out of there exactly at the right time and and to walk into guilt and have you know, the Sultan of Brunei, who be my new boss. And, and basically I was like, can I 
a you, check. Are you guys was, money? I, whatever I wanted to spend, it was it was great. So right. I, it was, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and you know use use this for the good of the wine. The world. power of good. Yeah, I this was the goal. In your fortress of solitude. Yeah, <laughs> but then what do you want to know? But the problem is the fortress of solitude. You know, only Superman visits it. So uh, yeah, that was I was it was rough. I, I think I was building this thing and nobody was recognizing it. And and so I felt that was true. I th- I think it took a couple of years for anyone to like really pick up in the the let's say the hipster component of of wine aficionados like no one caught on to what you were doing for a while like you know some of the big publications yeah but not not some of the the more the the chattering classes the talkers yeah i mean i think still even even now i get people that you know that that that, are, that don't realize i guess what's what's going on there or what, what what i've been trying to do you know and like you said i mean i've tried i've tried to build I've tried to build a wine list that's for everybody you know, if, if you can, mm-hmm, if you can mm-hmm. make that statement, but I, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a full page of Cru Beaujolais for God's sake. I mean, who, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. the hell wants to drink two Michelin, eat two Michelin star food and drink Cru I mean, I, I do, right. but, but, uh, but you know, it's, 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 it's. Do you find that's a tough thing to, to navigate these days? Because you do have such a small segment of the population driving what are called the heavy lumber sales. And then you have to talk to them and they, they're like, Cru Beaujolais, what are you crazy? They don't even know. What I would it is, never. What, <laughs> yeah. And then you have other people who are like twenty eight Lafitte. What are you crazy? Yeah. Where's my Cru Beaujolais? Yeah. Do you find that that's a delicate tightrope to walk? I, I think you just have to put the wines there for for to, to make everybody happy, and 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 then it's it's not so difficult. It's probably more it's more difficult to please the 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 the, the, the valley of those two extremes. I think you know what I mean. That's uh-huh. the area like like having great aged. Burgundy for two hundred bucks. That's probably my biggest challenge. Right. That's the thing I'm always on the hunt for, right? Because those wines still sell, and and I still get those guys coming. That, that you know they probably used to drink Romani Conti, but now they that's want right. to drink. They have the know. developed palates, but they don't want to spend the money. Yeah, they anymore. want to drink Premier Cru, you know, uh, uh, Mounier, you know, like that. That's that uh, with the, with the age on it. Of course, easy enough. There's plenty of that floating around, plenty <laughs> around for me to right to find. And, so. and but they're thinking about it like, well, Mounier is still not as big as Rumier, so it should be a problem. And then you're like, well, wait a sec, yeah. it's just not so many. But I remember I went there and I was like, dude, you know, I would like something with age. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. I don't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. And you delivered like a fantastic older Bordeaux for nothing. Change, yeah. you know, pocket change. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of that there. We kind of grew up in that era of of uh, big fruit and uh, big palate wines being uh, lavishly praised. When you're dealing with cuisine like this, that's got all those components that's speaking in maybe a quieter idiom or a lot of different interplays happening on the plate. Have you yourself found that uh, different kinds of wines than what we sort of were taught about when we came up have been more friendly to those dishes? Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up on those wines. I mean, David Gordon was it, it was and, and and continues to be a huge fan of 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 well, I mean, I think he actually I'd see him drink Riesling from time to time. Actually, he's changed a he's changed he a has bit. Great Riesling yeah, on there. Yeah, what age? Yeah. Yeah, well that was yeah, that was that was the back from then. That was that was back in, you know, the early two thousands was went on. But he was a big fan of of cult cabs and Chateau de Pop. And we had a huge and you know, still the Chateau de Pop list there is 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 really great. But we had a ton of cult cabernet sauvignons from, from California. And and you know, I think with Steve Lewandowski's cuisine, who was the chef there at that time, his food was really bold and really grill kind of, you know, big meals, big proteins. Yeah. So yeah. it was easy to do that. But those wines and I have those wines on the list at Guild too, but you know, it's not the first thing I'm going to open with with most of Justice Foods. We saw at the same time that those wines were popular, we saw a lot of big grill, big protein flavors. Yeah. Yeah. And now as people move into Asian flavors or some of the things that are going on more technique driven, maybe Spain, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think part of the reason people move to other regions is not yeah. just because they're cheaper, but sometimes they're more flexible. Yeah, but I'm just no. curious. No, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, I I I've worked with Lopez Lopez already by the glass for a while the re, on the red side, and it's so many times that's the wine that goes with the dish. You know what I mean? Especially when we go to like game dishes, like a squab dish that's on the menu right now. It's like you know, Tondonio one is just. You couldn't find a better pair with it. So yeah, those. I mean, I'm not. It's you know, I'm not. I'm not using the more bold wines with the with those dishes that I pour by the glass or that I work with with pairings. Yeah, those wines are they're food friendly. They've always been food friendly, huh? Even even I just don't think you're right. I think people weren't drinking them as much. Uh, so maybe we could talk a little bit about the what you've seen because you do kind of straddle two generations in an interesting way. You know, you saw some of the people that I think of as. Uh, the founding fathers of the New York uh, sommelier culture. Yeah. And you worked with those people yeah. on a regular basis, but you're also young enough that you've seen a lot of people come up and gain a lot of acclaim and do some interesting things, not necessarily through the traditional means, although a lot of them are pursuing master sommelier certification, but right. a lot of them aren't working in like the encyclopedic list fashion that we sort of came right. up through. What do you think the difference is between the sommelier five years ago in New York and the sommelier of today uh, in New York. Uh, apprenticing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I did eight years. Yeah. Eight years of it. I didn't buy a bottle of wine. Uh, so I started in this industry in 2001. I didn't buy a bottle of wine for a wine list until 2009 when I started at Gilt. Not one bottle. David wouldn't let me buy a bottle of wine. Tim wouldn't let me buy a bottle of wine. Rightfully so. I'm not the wine director. I was a sommelier. For eight years, I was a cellar rat, basically. And, but I mean, I worked on the floor. I tasted all these great wines, but I tell you what, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm good at administrative. I'm good at shelving wines. I can shelve wines fast. We should have a wine shelving competition someday <laughs> for sommeliers as opposed to a blind tasting competition or a theory competition. I'd win that. I'd win that for sure. You know, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a blue collar sommelier. And I think that, that, that I don't think that there are as many anymore. I think these, I think if, I, I mean, I hate to admit how old I am, but in two weeks from today, I'll be turning, I'll be 40. Okay. Right. That's, you know, and I, think, I would not have guessed because yeah. you have a younger vibe about you. you know? I think I try. God, I don't want to be old. But but yeah, so I mean, I mean, I started late. I started when I was 28 at Tribeca Grill. And, um, you know, I didn't buy my first bottle of wine until I was, what, 2009. I was uh, 38, I guess, 38. No, no. I, don't, I can't even do the math. My God, 36. That's got to be right. Yeah, 36 before I bought my first bottle of wine. That's, I think that's late. For, for a wine And now you see kids who are 26, like kids who, who started before I even started at Tribeca Grill at that age. And how, how, do, you, how, do, how, do, you, how do you buy wine for, for a list? How do you know what those wines even taste like? How do you know what the aging potential of those wines are? How do you, you know, and, and, and it's become, it's, I think it's developed such a backlash in a bad way towards things like Wine Spectator and Robert Parker. Like these guys hate on these publications so much. I'm like, you know what? These people are the people that, that create, that they're, they're the foundation of our industry. You cannot write them off. I still read Wine Spectator. I still read Barbara Parker. I, I subscribe to both websites. I look at them. Uh, I know if I if I sell a bottle of wine and I taste it and I have an opinion on it, I want to go in and see what Parker thought about that wine. You know, ten years ago or five years ago, and that's the best thing you can look at all of his tasting notes. Is his palate in line with 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 mine? I mean, I, you know, I tend to like wines that are a bit more subtle. I appreciate Chateau at the Pop. I love Bordeaux. I was just there for for eight days with a group of sommeliers, and we had an awesome experience. I think there's a lot to be said about all those wines, and I know that. They're harder to drink financially nowadays, not just for clients, but for sommeliers. But there's opportunities out there. And I think, you know, keeping an open mind about all of wine, I think is an important thing to do. And I think, I think, I mean, I don't know enough young sommeliers. You know me, I don't, I don't, I'm not in this scene much. 
I'm probably, probably I, well, I, that's probably you're what, yeah. working. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. It's not like you're not invited, but you got things to do. Yeah. No. Uh, I, yeah. At the shop. You know. It's true. It's yeah. Yeah. I know. Usually my days off. I don't want to leave my uh, five block radius of my neighborhood. But I remember you told me once something really interesting because you said, uh, you know, I think a lot of sommeliers leave the fold too early to go out on their own, whereas they could stay with somebody and learn a few things before they did that. I, I only say that because I had that experience, I guess. I mean, I can't imagine it any other way. I can't, I, I wouldn't, if I can go back in time, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, there were times there were opportunities where I had people, you know, when I was at Veritas, I had a couple job opportunities, not a lot, more, you, you would have thought more. You would have thought more, but I had a few opportunities and, you know, it was so, it's such a comfortable environment. Mm-hmm. Especially when you got it down and you work with people you like. Well, you I also mean, seemed comfortable there. Yeah, for as sure. A, as someone who used to go there frequently when you were there. You were sure, you, for sure there, yeah. You know, and uh, you always seemed like you were comfortable. And it did seem like everyone really liked each other there on yeah. the staff at that era. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't there for every era. I was, I'm not really there for this one. I wasn't there when it started. But I was there, you know, for some of it. And it seemed like uh, Valentin at the bar and yeah. you and, and, and yeah. Yoshi, uh, you got along well. We did, you know? yeah. Yeah, we had fun. Yeah, yeah we had sometimes too much fun, huh? I mean, uh, you know, I remember leaving that place at like uh, when the sun was coming up and not because we were all hanging out there as a, as a, as a team because clients were there. I mean, we right. used to have one guy that would come in and he would, the first thing he would do is o- order a bottle of like 1990 Dom Perignon Rosé and that was for the staff. Right. Keep them happy and now let's start opening some Soldera mags and some Latash mags and, if, and, that, and, that, and then we would have to drink, he would be on his own and, you know, we were like his friends. And he, I mean, I, I see him from time to time. He's, he's a, an amazing guy. But we were like his buddies. We were, you know, that was like his boys club and Yoshi and I were like his, his pals. It's like the old school day where you'd roll up to an old bar and know the bartender and have a drink with him. But we, you know, would be forced to drink, you know, <laughs> when they conte with this guy at the bar until five in the morning, literally. Like, you know, it was, yeah, it was great. And how could you not build a camaraderie with people when you're drinking all that great wine? And, and you know, it was a party. But do you think that sometimes, again, you don't have to answer this question any more than you want to, but do you think that sometimes that same clubbish aspect felt too much like a club to the people who were outside of it. How could it not? Yeah, of course. Well, we, I mean, I, I always, I think we always, we always longed for more sommeliers to come in there and hang out. Mm-hmm. I think we, we'd always see, you know, Robert would always come in for sure. And Josh and Eric, mm-hmm. you know, all the guys that, that were part of the, 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 the crew. I mean, you know, we would go to crew. I mean, we, we, we would have clients who would, they were guys that would be at crew looking at the wine list and they would call us up on the phone at Veritas and be like, don't you have, uh, um, Rumier 90 Amaru's on the list. Eh, they don't have it at a crew. Bring me a bottle and charge it on my card. Literally, I had to get in a cab and go to crew, and then we'd have to sit and, and drink with them. It was, it was a, it was crazy. Like me and Eric and or me, me and Josh, because Josh went from Veritas and then went to crew. That's right. We'd, we'd be drinking at the bar at at 3 a.m. at crew then, and so it was it was a tight click. And I, and I think that probably sommeliers probably were intimidated by that. Is was it hard to relate to the normal customer? After, if they weren't like laying out major bling, it was. was. It, is it hard to like is the same kind of thing we were talking about with cars or Pasagran or that kind of thing? Is it is it hard to remember that this is a lot of money for the lady that's laying out a hundred bucks to her? Is that at difficult? that time it was? Yeah, at that time it was. I think you just you know you you I mean you know you don't want to be that somebody who says that you used to scoff at people who would drink you know who were looking for bottles when they cost. But I'll say this. It, I think the the biggest thing that would the the, the the most the, the way I was handicapped most by by Veritas I'll never forget. Soon after I left, I went to some restaurant that was like somebody recommended. Oh, it's got a great wine list. You might have even recommended it to me. Uh, kind of a hip more re- hip hip restaurant. I was there with some friends, and here I am, Mister Big Shot Sommelier. Maybe just taking over a guild. And I open up the wine list, and 
it might've been in Brooklyn. It may be just in downtown, but I opened up the wine list. Levy, I swear to God, I didn't, I didn't recognize one single one, one single wine. I'm like, where's the DRC? Where's the, uh, where's the kosher? Right. But I mean, I had no connection with those wines and it was, right. it was a terrible thing for me. And I mean, in retrospect, it probably was all Dresden wines. And now I probably, I would, yeah, Paul Rougeard. Oh You're God. like, hey, yeah, wow, yeah. There, there, there it was, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, as, as great as eight, those eight years were, I was actually, I mean, I'm still learning. Yeah. I, of course. I mean, I, I hope every sommelier can say that. Any sommelier who doesn't say that is, you know, uh, you, you're not taking your job seriously. But but I think I learned more, not just because I started buying wine, but because I got out of that that bubble of drinking, you know, Harlan and Hobrion and... DRC and all that stuff. And all of a sudden I had to create a wine list. And also I had to, I had to realize that I was out of touch. And, and, and the, there was a group of sommeliers who were running past me who knew way more about stuff that people were actually interested in drinking. So, I mean, I think the, the, there was a night, I, shortly after I started Guild, I went to, I went to Apiary, Scott, Scott Bryan, sure, who used sure. to be the chef of Veritas, his, his place. And I'm going to mention his name. He's going to hate me for mentioning his name. Joe Doherty was at the bar. Oh, okay, yeah, he was. <laughs> he used to go frequently. Yeah, and 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 Joe, I knew Joe from sure. from Veritas, and always was interested in the wines. He'd bring every now and again. He'd bring a wine into Veritas. It was like it was like old Cotat. Yeah, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Just rosé from ten years old or Ouet uh, from fifty years old. You know? And I always used to bug him about wines, Loire wines. I had an interest in it, but I didn't know anything about it. And so this was shortly after I started. Get we're at the bar, and he had a bottle that he brought. I don't even remember what it was. Something, probably something magnificent, and I should remember it, but. We were drinking it. I was drinking it with him, and I said, "You know, I really want to get connected to these wines now. Now that I'm buying a, a list, I want to, I want to, I want to do the right thing. I want, to, I want to have these wines evolved. And you know, the experience of not recognizing any wines on a what's considered to be a great wine list was scary. So he put me in contact with Lee Campbell, oh, and, okay. at, who was at Dresner at that point, and that's when the ball got rolling. And because and, I remember you did a Dresner dinner, I did at, at Guild. I did. Like, what what did you take from that experience? I mean, I hadn't met Joe, so, you know, again, I was behind the ball and all this, and this was probably a year before he passed away. It was, or whatever. I mean, I, I met him here in, in, in this room. Well, that was probably shortly before I did the dinner was when, was when right. we had that yeah, that's probably party true. we were talking about. But, but so Lee came in and, and just within two months, I mean, I went nuts. I went to one of the... <clears throat> I went to one. I went to one of the tastings at uh, at the office. One of the, you know, the, with all the winemakers are there behind the table. The, the one that he has went out the after party at Ten Bells and all that stuff. So I just tasted through it. I made ridiculous notes on everything, and and I put an order in. I remember like I put the order in with Lee, and Lee was like, "Oh my, who are you again?" <laughs> like like <laughs> it's just this order. It's like, like every producer and like those wines are still on the list too, which was great because they're now four years of bottle age on them, which is kind of cool. But um. But so we started, and then she would come in and visit me like every two, I couldn't get enough. I was like ravenous for the wines and she would come in every like, two or three weeks and we'd taste more. And I was doing all this stuff by the glass and the, the staff who was used to like, you know, when Giggled Open, they were doing Latash by the glass and Screaming over by the glass. So this, right. this staff was used to this. Right. And That's here, right. I'm I doing, remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now I'm doing like, uh, like, uh, um, uh, Chaussard, like, uh, yeah. you know, like, like. Chinon Baudry. Yeah. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Still, I still do. I yeah. still do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so it was a change. It, it was a shock to all of them. And I, I don't know that they all took it really well because the price point went down significantly from what it was, but. You mean the bartenders? Yeah. Yeah. And the staff. Yeah. But they, they've adjusted to it. We, we try to balance it out now, I think. But anyway, so I got excited about the wines and I said, you know what? I want to do a dinner with this guy. Like he's such a legend and, and my friends, Levy and, 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 you know, Joe and all these guys talk about how great he is. I want to meet him and I, I would love to do a dinner with him. Let's do a dinner. And he was like, okay, that sounds great. And you know, she pitched it to Joe and it's definitely not, wasn't Joe's style, like a two Michelin star restaurant. And it wasn't like, Joe's style at all. I, I could barely get him to come to King Vivio. I know. Like I really had to beg. I mean, it was, uh, it was a struggle. 
Yeah. I mean, he came and visited me there and, and he was, you know, st- he was, he was, you know, he was on a cane at this point. You know what I mean? Like it was hard for him to get around and there's not a lot of elevators and guilt. And he came up the stairs. I, I, I still don't understand why he did it. I'm, I feel honored. It, you know, almost brings tears, tears in my eyes to, to think about it because it was, it was huge for him to do it. And he said, you know what, let's do it. And I think by 20, 20 people showed up. I had, the, I know I had the whole dining room ready to go. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not cheap to, 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 to do, to do a wine dinner in that, in a, in a union environment. I learned a really, sure. I learned a really important lesson on that, on that thing. In retrospect, I wish I would have done it differently, but Joe came through and had his clients, you know, a lot of his longtime clients came and Joe spoke and, you know, we had, we, we had a great lineup of wines and, and it was, I thank God that I, that I, that I did that. I had that experience and had a chance to meet this great guy. I wish I would have got to know him. Well, More. he was hugely complimentary about that dinner. I remember he said you played, uh, you played those bottles and how you opened them like a like a great conductor brings forth sound from different parts of the orchestra. Yeah. I mean that's kind of that's a big compliment. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, I I, I remember I remember like quadruple decanting uh, Darden Revo, <laughs> Darden Revo, because you know the wines were the wines are fizzy, right? I mean, right. are they are they you know what I mean? Yes, yes, they are. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Particularly yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but you don't think you know? I remember I, remember I tasted those at the tasting and I wrote it down. I was like, this wine's it's no good. There's something wrong with it. It's, right, yeah. right. But so I, decant, I, I like quadrupled the candidate. I mean, I didn't tell him. I was like, do you mind if I decant the Darden Rebus? He's like, well, I don't, I'm like, you know what? Don't, don't worry. I'm just going <laughs> to literally. I'll just put it over right here. like four decanters. I'm like, oh, just back and forth and shaking them up and doing everything I could. And then it, the biggest compliment was paid when, when I, after I poured the wine, I went back around. He goes, you know what? This is the best that these that the Darden Rebus have ever showed. Was, ever to it, me. It was interesting because I talked to Lee uh, recently and she said she's double decanting a lot of stuff. Yeah. In the natural wine idiom. I don't think it's know. a bad idea, man. I mean, you can get some get some of the those funky notes off those wines. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about the changes in the the scene. You know yeah. what we saw. I mean, I think seismic shift, honestly, and not you know, in a way, it's hard to imagine. Like I I, I wasn't thinking like, oh, this is going to become the next big thing. It just seemed like the wines were good, but it's fast. It's amazing how things can change so quickly. For sure. Where do you think the scene is going to go in the next? eight years and do you really feel like the opportunities that we had coming up working with the big list is still available to young people looking for it i think if you want it i think uh, i think you know i think you got to push your i think you first of all you'd be a smart buyer i think there's a way to buy wine and and i'm not going to tell you too much because it's my <laughs> my trade secret huh? but no but i i think there's a way to buy wine and and i don't know if i want to <laughs> say all this but I think there's a way to sell wine. Okay. You know what I mean? I think it's terrible. It's terrible to say, I'm sure I'm going to get so much heat for this, but I think you have to be careful who you sell. I think that there are certain bottles that are better to be sold to certain people and certain bottles that are better to sit in the cellar. I, I think every sommelier has, has thought that, but I just yeah, don't. I'm know. the one that said it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be the. No, you know, no, but I've heard people like uh, certain people say that. Too, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know. I know, for example. At yeah. crew, yes. there was a policy. If yeah. you had one, you couldn't have the other one because there would be only two, yep. and you had a, a one bottle limit. So you yeah. had the forty-five Chevel. We're not going to sell you the other one, right? You know, I think I think I build a wine list for the people that want to. That, 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 it's not my place to turn more people on to Rumi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, 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 right. like, like, right. like. But that's interesting. Rumi uh, doesn't need ask, the help in a way. Of course not. I mean, I mean, I love Christoph, and and I, I, I I'm, I, you know, I never would. I mean, you know, he's. I think he's, in my opinion, he's the best producer of wine in Burgundy. I mean, post Henri Jaillet, I think he's 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 the best. And and personally, I love his wine. And and you know, but I tell you what, he's my favorite Burgundy producer. I'll say it. 
But if you are a guest coming in and you're looking to drink a bottle of Burgundy, I'm not gonna be like, you know what? You got to drink Rumier because he's so great because right. I have, I have three bottles, you know what I mean? Right. Of, of Bomar. It's not like, you know, it's not like that wine, you know, grows on trees or, or, you know, falls into your lap. So but I, it's interesting you frame it that way. Because, okay, sometimes people are like, well, that guy pushed me into like a $300 bottle of wine because he thought it was a great wine. And what you're saying is I'd rather not do that because I can't even get more of that. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I, what, what I'm saying is if, as a wine buyer, I think you can, you can, you can, main, you can create lists from the ba- backwards. You know what I mean? Yes. You, you, ha- you, have to, you build this by, by, by buying right. right. And, then, and then I think buying, buying wines that drink well, and, and, and also Grumier's wines, when they're young, they're not the most pleasing wines to drink. I mean, they, right. need, they need age. That's the way he builds them. That's the way they're designed. So there's no reason to, to blow out your current vintage of Grumier. I mean, yeah, you want to put it on the wine list, but there are other wines that are better to, to drink. So I think, I think buying the wine list right from the beginning, you can do it. I mean- I'm not going to tell you what my inventory so is you at can, guilt. You can figure out where there's margin. Yeah. You can figure out what's drinking. Right. And you can make a list that's technologically designed yes. by how it's set up to be big, but also make money. Exactly. And make the guests happy, more importantly. I mean, ideally right. buying the wines, buying the wines that, that drink well and knowing that, and then, se- and then selling those wines to your guests is, is So you may have important. this on the wall, the bottle of famous Burgundy, but yeah. you may actually sell... X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I sell a lot of California Pinot Noir, man, and 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 I and I love I love I love Pinot Noir. I mean, well, I really like California Pinot Noir. I, I do. I mean, it's do I do I collect a lot of it for myself personally? No, because I don't. I mean, I'm able to collect only so much wine, and my heart lies in Burgundy. So for the most part, I buy Burgundy for myself or Loire Valley wines. But I sell a ton of California Pinot Noir, and it's great. People love it. People, it's, 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 it's exactly what, especially really producers that make really, really pure wines. Like, you know, like I think Literai is a great example. Like Ted Lemon does, does great stuff with, with the wines. I love the Clara wines. I think they're, you know, they're amazing and they age well. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, um, Josh sold me some old bottles, um, from the cellar through, through Doug and, 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 and they're delicious. So I'm, I'm more apt to sell those wines just because I feel like they're more crowd pleasers and they probably drink better. They drink better now than, than to sell, you know, burgundy that, that can age. Where I, uh, so I, I do think sometimes people look at a list and they're, they're, they go, oh, they have that big name and, or they have all those things for a big price Yeah. at, at the high-end level I'm talking about. And I'm yeah. not talking about the corner bistro mm-hmm. or the place that's going for. <clears throat> but what actually sells yes. oceans of yeah. is the thing around $110, $120. It's a sweet spot, yeah. I would say for us it's more, yeah, 150 to 200 yeah, yeah. is a sweet spot, yeah. And there's stuff there. But I mean, if somebody comes in and they're like, well, I've heard so much about Rumi, what do you think about this wine? I'm like, let's drink it, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to discourage anybody. Right. I'm, not, I'm not that guy. But but I think there are probably, I'm always, if they're asking me for a bottle, it's not going to be the first one that comes up. And I'm going to try and find something in that sweet spot. And it's more about, you know, I think the other thing that, 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 that someone is miss out and maybe clients do too, is the importance of just getting real, realistic. Like just let's bring it, let's get real right from the beginning. Like I always tell people, tell, tell the someone your price range. It just makes it so much easier so for all of us, doesn't it? I mean, when, when we know what Weird people want to spend, yeah, yeah. yeah, that awkward moment. And ideally it opens up the opportunity for me to give you so many more options in that price point, as opposed for me to be like, okay, I'm going to recommend something around hundred bucks and recommend something around 150. Then I'm going to recommend something around, around, around 250 or 300 where they were only interested in spending 150 all along. Now they're just going for that one option where I could have gone, you know, horizontally within that price range and made a whole bunch of recommendations that would have been a great bottle. But I, so. I sometimes feel locked in though, like on the flip side of that, like, especially if it's too high. 
like say I got this wine that I love and it's like $75 and the guy's like, yeah, I want to spend 150 I don't know. On that particular day, there's not a wine that's singing for 150. Yeah. I feel like I have to give them 150. Right. And I can't give them the 75 because one, if the waiter heard that, yeah. he would flip out. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make him feel like yeah. he's not getting what he asked for. So sometimes I actually feel locked in at the high end yeah. when it's too high. I'm, I'm happy to take whatever, especially because my boss is probably listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I'm taking the 150 bucks. Just let's get real about it right now. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I think I think you I think it's better to know what people want to spend. And right, I think right, I know right, right, right. my wine list well enough to know what awesome bottles are at that price point. Right, and right, and right. yeah, I could totally recommend uh, you know what I mean? If somebody wants to spend two hundred bucks, let's drink a bottle of uh Alaman. Yeah. But I tell you what, they could drink Gremenon Sierra Sud for seventy five bucks and almost <laughs> have as great a great of experience. But I'm not going to tell them that if they, they well, were willing to spend two hundred bucks. That's the rub. But that, you know but, what that's, I mean? but let's be honest, we we are salespeople, but right. I don't think all of us are out to gouge people. Right. I don't think you are at all. I, I'm, I'm not. I've trust me. That you're yeah. not. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, I don't. That's terrible. You're going to you build a reputation on being somebody who's got. And with the internet, man, you know, you can get scathed, man. Scathed. If people right. like Yelp, yeah. it's, you don't mess around. Like I, every time I go to a table, I just assume, I'm like, I'm just going to assume you are a Yelper because you are taking pictures of the food. Like right. I'm ready to be so nice to you. And it, it just, you can't be a grumpy, you can't be an asshole anymore. Like, like right. that era of being a sommelier and being pretentious and like, I'm the hot thing. You can't do it. You cannot do it. It's too, it's the, the internet will, will kill you. They will kill you. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the biggest changes in terms of floor persona is that everyone has a vote in terms of what they could say? About I think restaurants, restaurants as a whole are, are completely driven by, by this. I mean, you know, we, if we get, if we get a gripe around Yelp, like we, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for, for, especially because we try to do we, we, we're not trying to mess anybody up. And right. Justin's trying to provide, you know, the magical experience. I'm trying. Right. So if somebody gets on the internet and it's not just like them sending you an email and being like, uh, oh, you know, you really disappointed me or you did a bad job. Yeah, you can eat that or you can have a conversation with them. But they're just not just telling you. They're telling the whole world. Right. Um, it's, and that could be there for 10 years. Yeah. And then usually read out of context. It's yeah. like not the context that it was actually written in. It's, you know? it's, it's, it's rough. I, 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 I yeah, I don't. Some people got nothing better to do, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I guess yeah, they, got, yeah, they got, you know, or they're, or they're unhappy in their jobs, and they, they unfortunately get enough internet access that they can, uh, that they can, <laughs> that they can make my life miserable. But I, you know, we're, 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 it's, it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's an amazing industry. Yeah. And I, and I feel, I feel, I feel so lucky to, to, to be in it, and, and to, yeah. Someone says to you, "Hey, I'm a young guy. I want to learn more about wine. I want to get into business. Uh, I'm thinking about retail. I'm thinking about restaurants. What would you say to them?" I think you, uh, I think, I think the experience you get working in a restaurant with wine, is, I mean, I don't know, I never worked in a retail situation before, but it seems pretty boring. I mean, I, I mean, I know I have friends that do it, but you know what I mean? I, I, that I go and visit them from time to time. They, they, you know, they seem really excited to see me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but you know, that's, I can imagine, you know, when you're just <laughs> slinging Pinot Grigio and Yellowtail all day long and you want, yeah. but there's the I, fridge. That's I where think, the handles are. I think, you know, but people want to get in wine. I think, you, first of all, you got to you gotta learn the industry, man. I started I started as a busboy at 15 years old. Yeah. And I've been in the restaurant industry ever since, man. That's yeah. all I've done. Yeah. That's all I know. I mean, I, I, I have a bachelor's degree in philosophy. Like, uh, you know, and that didn't, that didn't go anywhere, obviously. But I'm tw 25 years working in restaurants. And that's right. all I've done. Yeah. That's all, and that's all I know. And you know what? It's the foundation. And, and it was an evolution. And then eight years, like I said, working as 
a seller at or, you know, at, you know, as, you know, working in the shadow of these great guys. That's how you do it, I think. I mean, that's how I did it. I can't imagine doing it any other way because I would be terrified of, of doing it. How, how do you, yeah, I don't know. That, that, my advice to anybody who wants to be a sommelier is start working at a restaurant, connect with a, with a, with, with a, with a person who knows about wine and, and become friends with them. And, and in New York, it's easier. You know what I mean? I think it's difficult. I'm sure, I'm assuming you have people listening outside of New we York. We do, actually yeah. quite a few, yeah. So I'm sure, I'm, I, and I had, a, I had a guy that, that, that I connected with for a while when I was at Veritas who was interested who lived in Florida. And I was like, man, I wish that I could help you. I don't know. I said, work at restaurants is my recommendation and restaurants that have good wine lists. I think that's, that's a key thing. I mean, I worked at a restaurant, I lived in Cleveland for a few years and I worked at a restaurant that's unfortunately closed now called Baricelli Inn and they had like a 200 bottle of wine list. And this was kind of my push into the industry. The, there was, I worked there with a, with a guy named Nathan Wesley, pardon me, Nathan Wesley, who works for Wine Spectator now. Him and I were captains together there. And he, he was really actually the guy who kind of pushed me into wine. He, he, he encouraged me to buy Zraeli's Windows on the World. I tore through that book, man, I must have read that book. 20 times. And how many sommeliers you talked to that that was their first wine book too? Because back then there wasn't many other there wine book options. There wasn't many, yeah. But I studied this wine list as much as I could to like memorize it and learn about the wines. And then that's what, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you putting yourself in that position and you know what? I, I've seen people try it and they get bored in three months. You got to stick it out. It's, it's a year or two investment. You know what I mean? If you want to, and you know, I, I wouldn't recommend becoming a sommelier as changing your career. If, if you're already in a career, like I get guys who are like, like, like lawyers, like guys who are playing, paying with like, you know, American Express black cards. And they're like, I would quit my job tomorrow. To, I'm like, great, um, let's switch places. You keep, I got an order tomorrow, come in 30 cases. You probably don't want to wear those Pradas though when, when you come to, <laughs> to deal with them, but it's all yours, man. Come in, come in. I would happily be a, you know, a, a partner in a law firm, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, driving a, driving a Porsche back and forth to work. Yeah, that sounds great, but, but it's not easy. I, I think it sounds glamorous. It sounds great, but you and I both know there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into it. You have to pick up cases of wine, man. You have to learn how to master an Excel spreadsheet. You have to be able to change pages in a wine list faster than, uh, you know, before you know it, because you got people walking in the door. I, he, he will do it. I tried. He literally canceled like two days before. He will do it. He I, was like, uh, I will get on him. Like he said, his wife was sick or something. I don't no, know if he his just wife is nervous. Was really sick. He's nervous, dude. He's nervous. But literally, he sent me an email. I said, like, you know, I'm famous enough. No, I'm gonna make him. He's gotta do it. But uh, whew. that's some cool in here, love. <laughs> Thank God I wore a t-shirt. I was gonna wear. I was gonna like you know class it up. I, I didn't want to do like you know, you know the downtown the air conditioner during the yeah. During I see the, that. The, no, it's all right. Let's like you know what we should drink something uh, yeah. oh. cold and delicious. Huh? Hey. What a segue! Huh? I was born for <laughs> podcasting. That's good podcast. <laughs> well, since you uh, since you mentioned that, Patrick, should yeah. we open up something nice? Let's open something here. What'd you bring, sir? I brought a bottle. Uh, you know what? Let's blow it up. Why not? <laughs> right? It did not. Nobody knows this wine. Uh, it already hasn't been blown up enough. I almost bought some Solos, but instead, I brought his uh, his his protege, Jerome Prevot. Yeah. His uh, his his hundred percent Pinot Meunier um, brute, right? You know this wine. Indeed, I love Can it. Can I open yeah. it? Oh, please! I'd be psyched. 
So it's uh, what what is it, Lev? What's the uh, the single vineyard is? Uh, remind me again, because I you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm I drank too much beer last night. It's it's the single vineyard. Uh, the, I think it's class class oh, A. Hard the, questions. It, it's not called Prevost. It, it, well, <laughs> it's not called Extra Brut. You know, I don't want to I don't want to say too much about this wine because I'm going to get killed. It already I mean, Sharon Bowman's already going to destroy yeah, me. For, yeah, for yeah, drinking right. <laughs> Well, this is actually <laughs> one that I find benefits from decanting. I don't know if you want oh, to like do your yeah, thing. Yeah, let's do it. Like no, let's take what you. I I'm going to decant this one into my stomach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> yeah. send oh, to yours. Yeah, all right, that's perfect. Yeah, oh, that's, but then uh, how are we gonna? What, I don't understand. It's like that uh, Sesame Street oh, right, episode yeah. where Bert and Ernie decide they're gonna put the fish in the. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I'm dating myself yeah. now, huh? I'm Bro, 40 now. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about Sesame Street and Bert and Ernie. Yeah, must be. All right, so yours is the mine's decanted and yours isn't. Thank God. Now, what about? Uh, uh, um, Mr. Dunker, no, come on. What, are you kidding me? I brought this bottle along. You're going to insult me. Go look, look at the glass. So this, yeah, I, lo- I love this guy. I got turned on to this guy because I couldn't get any Solos. So they were like, we have this guy. And I was like, okay, let me try it. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then um, I think that I brought a bottle to a lunch. Like sommeliers, we like to do like BYO lunches. Like we're the biggest bunch of, like we're, 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 we're such a double standard, aren't we? Like don't bring a bottle of wine into my restaurant. Right. But where, where about, whereabouts can I bring my, my <laughs> wine to a restaurant? Well, I, I've, I've done great wine with you <laughs> in just those circumstances. Yeah, so. it's the best place to do it, man. Yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, I collect as much as I can. I spend, you know, I spend probably more amount of my, my money than I should on wine and then, and then drink it, you know, probably too young, but... But so we, I had a bottle of this and, and I brought it to lunch at like Peking Duck House, blowing up another spot now, man, oh man, those poor guys are going to hate me. Do you go to the one downtown or in Midtown? Yeah, in Mott Street. Yeah, I, I've never been to one in Midtown. Is, is it, is it uh, as good? I remember I read a Bruni review that he said the downtown one was better for the duck, but I mean, it, I live downtown, so it's better for me. But I, I've been to both and I prefer the downtown. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, there are things about the Midtown one that are entertaining though, and, and they are good on the service thing. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, also the um, by the way, this is delicious. The wrappers are thinner in Midtown. The wrappers are thinner in Midtown. I don't know what that means. Uh, the things that you put your duck in. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't got it's, a good wrapper guy. It's um, it's almost like a glass. Like yeah, it really does affect the experience. Yeah, yeah, it's like a thin rim glass. Yeah, because it's a. Thinner wrapper, and you got hoist and sauce dripping on your shirt before yeah. you know it. That's yeah, sucks. exactly. <laughs> that's how they're in league with the dry cleaners. Yeah, <laughs> I like. <laughs> well, I've never been to that one, but so I, I brought a bottle of this wine, and it was like me and Raj, uh, Raj Veda from uh, from Danielle, also a good and, guy yeah, to be Ryan, Ryan, with. Ryan Millsnap, and uh, and and Risto. Oh, okay, okay. One of my 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 one of my great friends, Risto. Uh, so is that yeah. part of like the Bordeaux crew, like the guys? Who Risto on was, on, was, was on Bordeaux along with Justin Renz and then Pascaline. I don't. Let's just keep mentioning sommeliers because <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of these and nobody ever mentioned my name. So you know, <laughs> I, I try. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. I, I know there are some sommeliers who get their feelings hurt when their names are recommend are, are mentioned and stuff like this. Yeah, but so I'm I the try host to be. Show, I try to be so sensitive. It doesn't matter. I try to be. I try to be sensitive and uh, you know I had a list actually in my back pocket of everybody. Thank God I got Drew's name in there because he wouldn't have been too happy if I. <laughs> Anyway, so I brought this bottle of wine to um, to lunch with those guys, and then uh, my my rep uh, Heather Branch, another yeah, 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 only yeah, got another yeah. name in there. Yeah, she she <laughs> she sent me an email like the next day. Person. She's like, "What's she's great?" She's like, "What's wrong with you? you? You're showing this bottle of wine to all these guys. Now they all now they all want it. There goes your allocation." I'm like, "Oh man, please don't don't say that." So yeah. Anyway, that's even with sommeliers. You blow, it's hard, right? You, you can't you, blow the, it up. These, you blow it up, and it's 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 over. It's it's 
Thankfully, this wine's already over. There's none in New York. Don't worry. Don't listeners. Don't even bother. Uh, there's nothing to be found here. <laughs> the last sips. I, it's it's all gone. Known in the New York market, maybe. but it's delicious. <laughs> oh man, you're missing out. But I found that people like comb through the list and stuff when it's online, looking for that. Actually, if they get a sense that you're maybe turning over stones and finding new things, it doesn't even matter if you talk it up. They'll like find your list online and yeah. hunt through it. I've yeah, importers do that to me and stuff. I think I think uh, I think Lee had uh, Overnois on the wine list at Renyard for about uh, two oh, weeks. Exactly. I drank one of the bottles. Yeah, it was gone immediately. Exactly. Immediately, I mean, I mean, I, I went back with Daniel, with Daniel Jonathan. I went back to to like about, uh, three weeks later because I told him how great it was, and I emailed Lee. I said, "Can you save me a bottle of Overnois?" She's like, "No, no, that's all gone." So <laughs> it's amazing, right? The ten Chardonnay that she had, yeah, unbelievable great. wine. Great, so good, so great. I mean, uh, I don't know, because you know with open water, there's probably like eight bottlings that are is that referred true? to as the same thing. Yeah, Really? Well, it, you know, there's you, you know the grape variety from the cap, right? That's how you know. Cause You're telling, so, you know what? I don't, I, I've, I've had mm-hmm. Overnois like four times. Like Pascaline served me once. I drank it once when I was in Paris and I had that bottle. At, that, that's, that's it. We'll, we'll talk about it another time because yeah. I want you to talk. Yeah, this is your okay. show. So we'll, another instance we'll... All right. Well, I think this champagne's great. If I have to talk, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, and, this, and I have to go to work, but I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna help you finish this bottle. <laughs> it's great. 2009 vintage. You can tell the vintage because it's got a little code there. Uh, LC09. Okay. His wines uh, do not get enough legal lease time, so he can't oh, actually right. put a vintage on it. There's yeah. a lot of guys like that. Beauchard is is similar, um, but uh, yeah, he trained with Solos, I think for a couple of years, and uh, he has this older parcel of Pinot Meunier that his family, I think his family used to sell it off to uh, one of the big negociants. Thankfully, he took it back. Those big houses need no more. Take all the grapes away, please, quickly. <laughs> now, see, the champagne's getting to me. I'm talking yeah, controversy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to relinquish that Runard <laughs> cup. You're going to Listen, hey, you know, I had an experience. <clears throat> this is a good story. Okay. Are we running out of time, Matt? Matt's like, yeah, I'm going to be editing. This know. poor guy is going to be editing. Don't worry, I'll leave a nice glass of champagne for when you edit. <clears throat> I'll tell this story. This is the worst story that I could ever possibly tell, but obviously the champagne's gone directly to my head. I had, I had a, uh, I had an owner of a big house champagne come in to the restaurant and sit at the table. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the wine list at Guild. The champagne list is not what you would call a traditionally, you know, it's not, a, it's not an old school wine list uh, Champagne list, but, not, it's, but not, it's large. Not a lot of big houses. It's a lot of small growers. growers. It's all growers. It's all, you know, and as a result, all the bottles are like, you know, 100 to 200 bucks, which is great because people, that's what people want to drink. Right. So there's not much, uh, there's a few big house tete cuvées on there. Like they definitely have a vertical of, of Dom because I think those wines are spectacular, right? especially, you know, given the fact that nobody really knows how much they make. And I right. think it's a lot because right. how many, right. you know, you, any you town in the city, <laughs> any town in the world you go into, Every liquor shop it's got down for anyone, but the wine's spectacular. So obviously I'm not telling a story about somebody from a wet. Uh, so this, this person who will remain unnamed sat down at the, at the table and my GM at the time, Stefan Lacroix, who's a, a French guy, went over to the table and, and he's like, are you the sommelier in French? And he's, he starts to like basically just chew him out for, yeah. he's like, for the fact that this wine list is like, there's uh, all these growers. And apparently sure his, wine wasn't, his, his, his wine wasn't on the wine list. I will yeah. tell you that. Uh, and it still isn't. And it never will be because uh, he behaved badly. So this guy um, chewed out Stefan and Stefan came over and said, what's that guy's deal? He's like, uh, that's so-and-so from, so, from so-and-so. And uh, he, doesn't, he wants to talk to you and he's not really happy with you. I'm like, great. I don't, what am I care? I'm going to yeah. go, I'll go over talk to him. He's like, you know, this wine list is very cute. He was French, if you couldn't tell by my accent. Uh, but uh, when you buy a bottle of our wine, we don't go out and buy a BMW. 
And I thought to myself, what does that even mean? Yeah, it's first of all, that's like a such a double like it was like it's a such David a, Lynch thing. I mean, I mean, I first, first of all, he's he's tell, he, I'm sure he's got plenty of BMWs for sure. This guy, <laughs> right, right. This this guy, guy and he's a driver in Midtown, who's New York, York right? at the, a super nice yeah, he's uh, staying, two Michelin he's, star. But, yeah, uh, and he's staying in the hotel. Yeah, so yeah, and 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 he's mad because Jerome Prevost, uh, you know, and I'm sure Jerome Prevost doesn't have a, a BMW. The yeah. guy's probably barely got a new tractor. He's probably got a barely a B. Yeah, the other three. So offended, and then. He stayed in the hotel and he wound up sending a note to me later, like accosting me again for the wine list and saying, you know, when you when you buy our wine, we come back and eat at your restaurant. And I'm sure I'm I'm sure Jerome Provo would love to come in and and eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he ever could get a plane ticket to New York, the guys, yeah. you know, what I mean, so it soured me on the big houses even more. And I mean, I'm not, I don't have a, you know, I have enough uh, enemies between big companies. Uh, big distributors that I don't buy wine from anymore. I think I've pissed off enough people in the industry. I don't want to piss off anymore. I don't want to make big enemies with big house champagnes, but it's a good, it's a good statement to them because, you know, I'm, I think I, if you went to Williamsburg and, and cursed out somebody for their, you know, if you cursed out Lee Campbell for her champagne list because she doesn't have any big house champagnes on there, I'm sure she would be pretty upset too. Right. And, and I don't, you know, but there's also a level where in Williamsburg, not, not Lee, cause yeah. she's super nice, but yes. other people <laughs> would, would be like, what? Yeah. I can't hear you. Cause I just turned the music up <laughs> yeah, on your exactly. ass. Like what? Exactly. What? You're unhappy. I did let him okay. finish his meal. I See you did. later. You're not. Oh, okay. You know, but it's, it, I think it's a, you know, not that any of those guys are listening to this podcast. Maybe they are. I hope, uh, I, hope, I, hope, I, hope I hope they are. Do you have a French uh, translation? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I wish we have a BMW would. translation. Actually, hopefully it trickles up. I mean, I've told the story to enough people because it pissed me off enough. Right, that I hope he hears, and I hope that well, he realizes he behaved badly. Asked Robert Bohr about his big house. I, I, I've, I've heard that story. <laughs> it really doesn't get better than it's, that one. It's, you it's, know what I mean? It's pretty great. I think maybe I, I was hearing Robert in my head when when I when, yeah. I, when, I, when I you know what I like, yeah. have the guts to tell these people like you know what there's so much wine out there, man, and you know right. what there's so much better wine and and. You should, first of all, try to produce great wine, but second of all, you should be nice. Mm -hmm. Be nice. Like, if you're trying to sell, especially, like, that dare is over. Like, there's a reason that Chatterton's all done, my friend. I never worked with a guy, and I heard people who worked with him were fine with it. I mean, I know you were friendly with the guy, but that's over, man. Yeah. You don't tell me what, what I'm going to buy. Right, right, right. That, it's my job to buy. It's your job to come and be nice to me and, and excite me about the wines that you're presenting. Uh, there's nothing, there are plenty of wines that I don't get at the restaurant because I choose not to work with those with those portfolios just because I don't want to, I've heard enough things or I've tried to get stuff. I've reached out to them and like, Can I, I'm interested in this. And like, yeah, no, I know I'm asking for something that's super allocated, but I think I have a nice restaurant and I have a yeah, decent wine list. And they give me, they me. brush me off like, like, oh, come on, you got to buy this. I don't, I don't have to buy anything. Right. And 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 uh, that's a great recommendation to, I think to young sommeliers. Stand firm on the fact that even if you have a small program, you 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 deserve to have at least a bottle or two of, of rare unique wine, and don't make people twist your arm to get them. You know, like stand firm on what you believe and buy wine from people who are nice, people like David Bowler, who's an awesome guy. You know what I mean? He's he's a great guy. Not only he has a great portfolio, but he's an awesome guy. He's a nice guy, and I want to buy wine from him. I feel the same way about Doug Planner. I mean, I know he's a controversial guy, but I, I like Doug, and I, I like to buy wine from him, and I think he's got an awesome portfolio. So I don't even know where that's going. Too much champagne already. But here's one place it could be going. Do you think that it's important when you're building a career in the New York market to have your peoples, to have your group, to have your community that supports you through? For sure, man. You know, it can be looked at negatively. I mean, I think people, you know, it looks like clicky and stuff like that, but surround yourself with people you can trust. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why would you want to surround yourself with people you can't trust? It doesn't seem like a, a good business model and, and, and for whatever you do. I think having good people that you can trust that you want to be around 
is is important. You know, and I think it, it's something that you look at what like what Daniel Daniel Jonas has done with you know with with the Paul A. He's put in not only great winemakers that he's that 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 that, that he can trust and that, that I think represent the region well, but he does a great job of putting great sommeliers in that environment. It's an amazing event and, and you've worked it, you know, I mean, and, it's, and it's enjoyed doing so. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a great example of doing it. Like you build a community, but build a community around people that are good. <laughs> Patrick Capiello, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your insight. It's been, it's been an honor uh, spending the afternoon with you. You're the man. Thanks. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.